The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in His kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Well, Ecclesia, it's a gift to get to be here with you today. If we haven't met in person, my name is Wayne. Uh, and I get to be the campus pastor at our West Side campus. And so it's a gift to be here with you all on a Sunday. That doesn't get to happen very much. So it feels like a treat. Um, and I'm grateful to get to do that. Um, there's a few things you need to know about me. Um, and I don't know what this year, 2023, has looked like for you, but it's been quite the adventure for me and my family. And one piece of the adventure is that we've actually added to our family. Uh, so. I've got my daughter who's with me, but then I've got my son, Moses, and then we've got uh, baby Shepherd who was born on 713 day, uh, which feels very appropriate for Houston, right? Feels like he's destined to be an Astros fan, so um, super cool. But uh, I feel like such a blessed man. And my daughter was willing to actually travel with me, so she's sitting on the front row and we're gonna go back to the west side and then we'll come back for 11. And I like, it's, I'm in that season where she wants to hang out with me. So it's like, yeah, yeah, you can come on because I know it's, it's not going to last forever. So uh, we're going to ride that wave as long as we can. Uh, but something you need to know about me too is I love my kids and my daughter Aiden brings so much excitement and energy with her. She lightens up every room she's in. She just, she's just a ball of joy. And with the holidays, there have been so many special things happening. So she got in a rhythm and a habit where she would come to me and she would say, dad, what's tomorrow? And something you need to know about me is like, generally I'm pretty oblivious to what's going on, especially if it's connected to school and the kids. Um, I, I mean, I know Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, they're supposed to be in school and we get them there on time, that kind of stuff. But if it's like, we're wearing pajamas today, I don't have a clue, right? If it's Go Texan or School Spirit, if they're decorating candy canes, I don't know what, like all that stuff, I have no idea, right? So it became a thing where she would come to me and she'd say, what's tomorrow? And because I wouldn't know, I would say, Monday? Because tomorrow's Monday, right? And then I would immediately be met with, no, that's wrong. To which I'd be a little like perturbed of, hey, actually tomorrow is Monday. Like I got, I got this one right, you know? And then we go back and forth and it became really clear and apparent that she would then say, dad, that's not the answer I was looking for. That's not what I was expecting. And I think that's a really important question. And it's been an important question for me in the season where we're turning the page on 2023 and opening the book for 2024. I don't know what kind of year you were expecting in 2023. I don't know what kind of year you're expecting in 2024. But here's what I know, that what we expect has everything to do with what we actually find. And I don't know about you, but for 2024, I want a year where I can look back and say, man, I found, I found God and I found hope and I found peace and light. And there's some things coming up in the year where I'm like, is that gonna happen, right? Like we're headed into another election year. Does God still work in those? I'm not sure, right? Um, I want to know and I want to find God. And I wanna go to some places in the scriptures that I think actually help us see that God's not done with this world, that God's not done creating and recreating us and all things, and that there is hope and there is life and there is joy and God is to be found.
And so I want to go to the scriptures and, and help us find that. And so I want to take some time and turn to John chapter 1. And in John chapter 1, we get to hear from the apostle John, who was one of J- Jesus' 12 disciples. And I love John, this gospel because right out the gate, you can tell this is very different than any of the other gospels that were written, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And so you can hear it right out, the, right out the gate. It says, before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. The voice was and is God. This celestial word remained ever present with the creator. His speech shaped the entire cosmos, immersed in the practice of creating, all things that exist were birthed in him. And he goes on, he says, his breath filled all things with a living, breathing light, a light that thrives in the depths of darkness, blazes through murky bottoms. It cannot and will not be quenched. And I love this. And you can kind of tell when you look at the formatting on it, you can see, hey, John starts his gospel differently. He actually starts with poetry. And so it tells you like a skilled director, whenever you go into the movies, they, that opening scene, the first thing you see tells you everything you need to know about who this person is and their perspective and what they want to tell you. This does the same. And John's very intentional with some of his language. He says, and I, I love the translation, in the beginning of before time itself was measured, the voice was speaking. This is a very popular passage. You may have heard it before and you may have heard it translated as in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I love this rendering and instead of using word, we use voice because it does a few things. One, it, it highlights the fact that there's some action going on. It's not just a word that's written down and remains in silent, that there's actually some speaking happening. There's some audible, there's there's something that's actually happening in the world. And I also love that a voice is very personal, that you have people in your life that if your phone rings and you don't see the caller ID and you pick it up and you hear their voice, you know exactly who it is. That a voice actually is connected to a person. And what I love about this is John understands that his audience, the folks that he wrote this book to, when they heard that, they would have thought immediately of a story in Genesis where it talks about how God created the whole world. And so what he's actively telling us is God's not done. This story that you're about to read and hear and be told is a continuation and it's God's active work in still creating and recreating the world. And he goes on and he says, a man named John, which is a different John. I know it's hard to believe that a lot of people were named John in that day, but just go with me, right? A man named John, who was sent by God, was the first to clearly articulate the source of this light. I love that too, right? It doesn't say that he was the last to clearly articulate this. It says that he was the first, which means that this story, again, is continuing to unfold. It means that there's other people who articulate the source of the light. It means that you and I could actually be a part of that, that we can articulate the light. And speaking of John, he says, this baptizer put in plain words the elusive mystery of the divine light so all might believe through him. Some wondered whether he might be the light, but John was not the light. He merely pointed to the light. The true light who shines upon the heart of everyone was coming into the cosmos. And I love the way that begins because it lets us know that this story is for everyone. It's not for the elite. It's not for the wealthy. It's not for the beautiful. It's for 
all of us. It's for everyone. And it says, he entered our world, a world he made, yet the world did not recognize him. Even though he came to his own people, they refused to listen and receive him. But for all who did receive and trust in him, he gave them the right to be reborn as children of God. And he bestowed this birthright, not by human power or initiative, but by God's will. And I love that because it reminds us a few things. One, that God so often shows up and is present in all the things that are happening around me, but I so often miss it. I so often don't recognize what's happening. And it makes me feel better because it lets me know, okay, I'm not alone. Like this has been happening for a long time and it's still happening. But it also tells me that God is for us. That God's desire, God's will, God's hope, God's intention is to bring us in and make us his children, to make us his family. And I think that's really important because maybe you've been in some settings, maybe they're religious settings, where the vibe or the feeling or what you walked away from those places were is that God is actually against you or God is angry at you or God is upset or out to get you. And what's true is actually the opposite, is that God loves you, God is for you, God has made you and wants you to be his child. And that's by his will and his design. And so we'll keep going. It says, the voice took on flesh and became human and chose to live alongside us. We have seen him enveloped in undeniable splendor, the one true son of the father, evidenced in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Now, I gotta be honest, when I hear words like undeniable splendor, I think of places like the Rocky Mountains. Anybody else? Or I think of going to a beautiful ocean, white sand beaches, right? Like those are some things that are undeniable splendor to me. And I love this because he says the undeniable splendor is evidence in the perfect balance of grace and truth. Now, if I'm honest, I get a little disappointed. It's like, oh, really, that's it? You know, like womp womp, right? Grace and truth. But here's what I also know, is any moment where you have someone who extends grace to you, it changes you. And it's really powerful. So one of the things my daughter was really excited about, which I thought was really funny, and she came to me and said, what's tomorrow? And I knew what it was, because uh, I had been dreading this day for a little while. Uh, but I was just in the habit of playing along, so I was like, it's Thursday, right? And she got mad and was like, no, that's not what I'm looking for. And then we finally landed on it, and that was the day that we were gonna drive to Mississippi, because uh, my wife is from Mississippi, and so we were driving to go see uh, her side of the family for the holidays, and she was super pumped about it. And having made that drive multiple times in college and you know, throughout the years for holidays, I was not looking forward to it, especially because now we've got uh, a five-month-old and what is normally about a seven and a half hour drive, if I do it myself, uh, was a 12-hour drive both ways. So uh, she was like, hey, we're excited. We ended up going and the plan was, her family always does things leading up to Christmas Eve 
And uh, Christmas Eve's kind of a big deal for pastors, you know? There's a lot of responsibility, there's a lot going on. So I had made arrangements that I was gonna fly back here on the 23rd, be here for all the Christmas Eve gatherings, and then fly back out to Jackson. Uh, and it's just part of our rhythm and our routine. We love being able to see our family, and I love being able to be here with Ecclesia on Christmas Eve. So on the 23rd, I booked a flight. It was the only direct flight from Jackson to Houston. It's about an hour flight, really smooth, really simple. It's at 5.30 in the morning. No big deal, book an Uber, I'm ready to go. Except I slept through my alarm, missed my Uber, so then I had to go wake up my father-in-law and tell him, inform him about my failure <laughs> and beg him to please take me to the airport, which meant that all the family is at the house too, so all the cars are in the driveway, which meant I need to go to my brother and sister-in-law and wake them up so we could get the keys to move their car out so that we could actually get out. And we are leaving the house and it's about 30 minutes to get to the airport and it's like I might get there with 10 minutes to spare. So I'm still holding on to hope at this point. We get to the airport, I'm going in, I like just, I didn't have to check any bags, I go straight through there. And I round the corner and I see the line for security and that was the moment where I realized like this is not happening. Um, I did make it through, my flight was at 5.25 in the morning and I got to the gate at 5.32 and that plane was gone. <laughs> so they were kind enough to just say, we're gonna put you on standby for the next flight. There was a flight going out of Jackson that went to Atlanta. Uh, so, and it left at 6.30. Um, actually, it really ended up being quite beautiful. I got a photo to share. I was on the plane, trying to have a pity party, and I look out the window and I see this. And when I see this, I immediately hear Louis Armstrong singing in the background, like, what a beautiful world. And I started to remember, oh yeah. And pull that back up, hold on. Uh, if you can see it there, there's a little river. And it was one of those moments where I had, I had kind of just, I could see what I was trying to do and what I was trying to make, I was all about straight lines, right? How do I get a direct flight from Houston to Jackson? How do I get there as quickly as possible? And it's the same way when I'm driving places, like I'm gonna make as few stops, we're gonna get there as fast as possible. And so often the way that God works and the way that God shows up and creates in the world is actually in a whole lot of bends. I mean, look at how inefficient that river is, right? And yet at the same time, God's present and God's doing something and it's beautiful. So when I get to Atlanta, I'm like, I don't know what I'm gonna do, but I'm a little bit hopeful. So I go to the counter and I talk to this guy, his name's Michael, and he's starting to look up things and he says, okay, so you're on standby. There's two flights from Atlanta to Houston. The next one's completely full. And the next one after that is also completely full. Now you're on standby, but you're just basically hoping that somebody does what you did and they miss their flight. It's like, great. And at that point I thought, okay, like I'm just gonna go like suck it up. You know, I'm texting the team, telling them, hey, heads up, I might not be back for tonight. And then he says, well, wait a second, let me, let me look at something. And this guy fixed my mistake. This is my mistake. I overslept, I missed my flight. I made this whole mess. And this guy went in and said, hey, actually, I found this other flight. It leaves in about an hour. I think you can get on that. There's 10 seats on that. It's gonna go to Jacksonville. And then when you go to Jacksonville, 
There's a flight there, and it, there's another one that leaves at about an hour and a half after that, and it has 30 seats on it, and you can get back to Houston at three o'clock, which we had a gathering at five, and I was like, oh man, like, let's do that. So then what ended up happening is I went from Jackson to Atlanta to Jacksonville to Houston, and again, it feels like one of those things where it's like, God is doing something here, and I don't quite fully understand it. And here's what's crazy is so many times I get in these situations and it's the normal life. It's the normal things that are going on. And it's easy for me to just blow right by and miss what God may be doing in the moment. So how do we become the kind of person who sees and notices what God is doing in every moment, in every place where we find ourselves? And I think as we unfold more of the story, as we continue in John, Go to the next one. Uh, yeah, we'll go to verse 19. And it says this, it says, the reputation of John, John the Baptist was growing and many had questions, including Jewish religious leaders from Jerusalem. So some priests and Levites approached John in Bethany just beyond the Jordan River while he was baptizing and bombarded him with questions. So what I love right there is that it tells you very specific names and very specific places. Bethany, Jerusalem, Jordan River. And we often take people on trips to the Holy Land. Some of you have probably gone. And it's a really beautiful and sacred time whenever we get to go on these trips and we go to see these places. And when you do, you actually go to the Jordan River and we actually have some experiences where we get to baptize people in the Jordan River exactly like John was doing here. And I, I wanted to pull this picture up because I hoped that you could see kind of in the background. I want to fill you on a, in on a little secret. It's just a river. It's just like every river you've ever seen. It's not like the bayou, okay? It's a little different than that. But the Rio Grande, the Colorado, the Frio, the Mississippi, fill in the blank. It's just like every river you've ever been to. And part of what they're telling you and part of what makes going to these places in the Holy Land so sacred is it reminds you of, oh, this thing actually happened here. Why can't it also happen over here? And so if you want to be somebody who sees the light, who finds God in everything, be good at looking for God in the mundane and the ordinary things. You don't need a moment where you're on the mountaintop and you shout, Eureka, I found God, right? It's the ordinary things where you see him. It keeps going. So then you see this interaction and I want you to hear how this goes back and forth with John and some of the religious leaders. So the religious leaders come to him and they say, who are you? And John the Baptist said, I'm not the anointed one if that's what you're asking. I love it. It's almost like he doesn't really want to answer. And the religious leaders keep going and they say, your words sound familiar like a prophet's. Is that how we should address you? Are you the prophet Elijah? He's like, no, I'm not Elijah. And they keep going, are you the prophet Moses told us would come? No. And then they say, then tell us who you are and what you are about because everyone is asking us, especially the Pharisees, and we must prepare an answer. And look at his response, I love this. So it says, John replied with the words of Isaiah the prophet, and he said, Listen, 
I'm a voice calling out in the wilderness. Straighten out the road for the Lord. He's on his way. I love this. Because something you need to know about John is his dad and his family were a family of priests. So they would have actually served in the temple. They would have actually overseen some rituals where people would have immersed themselves in water to cleanse them. And what John is doing is outside of that. It's saying you don't have to find God just in church or in the places where you expect. God's actually out in the wilderness. And I love this because everyone else is really concerned about who John is. And he doesn't seem to care. What he's focused on and what he's worried about is how do I become the right person? How do I be exactly who God's made me to be? And I know for us, it's easy to get caught up in what does some so-and-so say about me? What does my boss think of me? What, is, what are my friends, what are my parents? Fill in the blank. But here's what I know. When we focus and we are clear about who is it that God has made me to be, how do I become that person? That's when we begin to see God show up and do amazing and remarkable things. And it keeps going. It says, then some of the, those sent by the Pharisees Wait, did we lose it? Yeah, then some of those sent by the Pharisees questioned him again. And they said, how can you travel the countryside baptizing people even if you are not the anointed one or Elijah the prophet? And he says, baptizing with water is what I do. But the one whom I speak of, whom we all await, is standing among you and you have no idea who he is. Though he comes after me, I'm not even worthy to unlace his sandals. Again, just focused on, I'm gonna do this thing. This is what God has called me to and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna be faithful to it. It says the morning after this conversation, John sees Jesus coming toward him. And in eager astonishment, he shouts, look, this man is more than he seems. He is the lamb sent from God, the sacrifice to erase the sins of the world. He's the one I have been saying will come after me who existed long before me and is much greater than I am. No one recognized him, myself included, but I came baptizing with water so that he might be revealed to Israel. And he says, as I watched, the spirit came down like a dove from heaven and rested on him. I didn't recognize him at first, but the one who sent me to baptize told me, the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit will be the person you see the Spirit come down and rest upon. And I love this. He says, I have seen this with my own eyes and I can attest that this one is the Son of God. And I love this because it lets us in on a little secret that John has been in a dialogue with God whether God initiated it at first or whether he's been, it's been a back and forth, John understood that something was gonna happen and he was gonna see something, that he was gonna see the spirit descend on someone. And I don't know if that meant it was a literal dove or if it was a hallucination, I don't know. But here's what I love, is John sees it happening and instantly he says, oh, this is what I've been praying for. This is what I've been asking for. This is God's work. If I'm honest, so many times in my life, when I'm in dialogue and conversation with God, something happens 
and it's like he answered my prayer, but then internally I say to myself, was that God? Or was that just chance? Was that just luck? Like what happened here? And sometimes I need a little help to, to put it together. I had another one of those kind of moments. Uh, I mentioned that 2023 has been an interesting year. So in February this year, I went to the doctor routine checkup. Um, just wanted to get, get everything checked. So they go to do the blood work and the first time the nurse sticks my arm, nothing comes out, which was totally creepy. And I had all this moment of like, am I a vampire? What is happening right now? What's, what's going on? So she says, ah, oh, like, we'll just try it again. So she sticks me again, does fine. She's able to get all the blood that she needs. And instantly I start feeling lightheaded and woozy. And the next thing I know, I wake up in the room and they're shaking me and saying, Mr. Brown, Mr. Brown, you need to calm down. And I remember thinking like, I'm calm. Like you guys are stressed out. What happened? And I had actually passed out, had some convulsions and looked like I had had a seizure, which then set off a whole chain of events. It meant that I couldn't drive for at least a month. I think it was about a month and a half that I couldn't drive anywhere. And that's something I love to do. I, I, I actually enjoy driving my family around, going to the grocery store, getting all the things. And it meant that all of a sudden, like, I can't do that. And not only that, like somebody else has to do it or I got an Uber, I got to get rides from friends. I had to go see all the ists, right? I had to go see a neurologist, a cardiologist, I had to do MRI, all the scans. And I'm grateful to say that after about a month and a half, what we figured out is I, I didn't have epilepsy. I just have what's called a vasovagal response. It just means that when like needles and things, like heart rate drops cause me to pass out. So if I feel a little queasy, I just need to lay down. Was super grateful for that, but it was so weird. And then when that happened though, it was one of those moments where you're kind of brushed up with your own mortality and you realize, okay, I'm not invincible and I'm not as capable all the time as I think I am. So I started to have a certain prayer in my life more and more in this season. And it was just, hey God, will you protect my family? Will you watch over them? As my wife's driving the kids around and doing all the things and I'm not able to do all these things, it was, it was constantly, God, will you protect my family? So then we fast forward to May and because my wife is expecting Shepard, our son, she's had some complications, getting a little sick. They wanna do a scan. So they're like, we're gonna do an x-ray. And they were checking to see if she had pneumonia. Good news was she didn't have a pneumonia, but in the scan, they said, hey, there is this spot on your lung and we just need to keep an eye on it. We don't need to do anything until after the baby's born, but once the baby's born, why don't you come back? So. October, November, once she's a little removed from uh, getting him, we start that whole process. And come to find out, she's got a tumor on her lung and it's cancer. And in the moment I thought like, God, have you not been listening? Like I've been asking you, can you, can you protect us please? And what, what ended up happening as we went through all the tests and all the scans and all the things, what we found is she has, it's not lung cancer, it's, it's a different kind of tumor, slow growing, and the only course was to operate. So we were able to go in and early November, she had a, an operation, they removed part of her lung. 
successful. It doesn't look like anything spread, but there's a few things that we still have to check. We've got follow-up appointments coming, coming up. So at the moment, we're not out of the woods, uh, but we're definitely in this place where we're, we're checking into it. It was maybe the week after we got home from taking her in for the surgery and we're dealing with all this. And by the way, she said this was the most painful thing she'd ever been through. And she's had three kids. So like, I just, I just take her word for it. And it looked awful. But I realized in a moment, she would have never gone for that scan if she hadn't been pregnant with Shepard. We could have gone, I don't know how many years. Maybe it was nothing, maybe, maybe it would have just stayed. But there was a moment where it turned for me and I realized, oh, God was protecting us all along. And he sent us a baby to do it. And it reminds me that God so often shows up, not in the grandiose, not riding a white horse, not in the huge and powerful things. He often shows up in really small, subtle, vulnerable ways. And like Pastor Mitzi said, whenever she led us in the offertory, I don't know what kind of year you've had. I don't know if you're in the highlands or if you're in the heartache, but here's what I do know, that God's not done with you, that God's not done recreating and creating this world and whatever is unfolding and however inefficient it feels, that God is present and he's working. He loves you and he is for you. In Ecclesia, I fully believe that we can be a people who find God and light and hope in 2024, wherever God has placed our feet. And that's my hope and prayer for all of us. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.